What's up, guys? Welcome to the show. Welcome to yet another Wednesday afternoon and another episode of Action Movie Anatomy on the Popcorn Talk Network. Today, we are going to be breaking down 2007's epic sniper film, Shooter, starring Mark Wahlberg, directed by our favorite director in the world, Antoine Fuqua. This is going to be amazing and incredibly patriotic. We'll see you guys in just one second. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk, we talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's action movie anatomy. Boom! What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Oh, man, we're going through the tall grass. This is intense. I feel like when I used to play Sniper Wars and StarCraft back in the day. You got a Charlie on your shoulder. A Charlie? (laughs) Is that what they're called? <laughs> you played StarCraft? Dude, I played StarCraft, like, avidly. I know, but I, when we were talking about StarCraft last week, you weren't, you didn't bring up how committed to StarCraft you were. It just, it's been a long time. <laughs> I mean, that, it was In wild. the starting tight end of the University of Texas, El Paso. <laughs> it's been a long time, General. Uh, I'm, I'm, it's because it's still one of the greatest ever made games. It's yeah. still so competitive. People love StarCraft, though. It, I think the competitive scene is definitely dying off a little it's, now. It's, are they still playing uh, StarCraft 1 in tournaments? No, StarCraft it's 2. 2 now? Okay, StarCraft. I just wasn't sure. Um, so anyway, guys, that's, uh, that's a little nice segue we've given you here. Uh, welcome to the show. Welcome to Action Movie Anatomy. Why are we here? <laughs> show where we talk about action movies and break them down for the Popcorn Talk Network, the online broadcast network dedicated to talking movies and all things movie-related. I'm your host, Ben Bateman. You can find me at Ben Bateman Media, Twitter, and Instagram. Joined today by Mr. Andrew Guy. Hey, everybody. Oh, you're clapping me in. I got to clap in today. Andrew's uh, got the clap. I got the clap. <laughs> that is not true. Uh, I'm Andrew Guy. You guys can find me at Andrew Guy on Twitter and Instagram. And here, every Wednesday, talking about this stuff. And Antoine Foucault is on our show once again. Once again. we've. Uh, I was thinking about this. For somebody I claim to dislike his style of direction. We love him. Well, I was just thinking about how many people, directors, have I seen and discussed their work so extensively. Like, I think if I had the opportunity to interview Fuqua, I would jump at it. Oh, of course you would. So excitedly. You know more about his film and his work, films and his work, than almost anyone else I know. Yeah. I, for So I think it's, it's fairly hilarious. Um, but And maybe by the end of this, like, we will it's just ironic. learn to love Fuqua. Like, I think we're kind of on the path already. I, I think I do. And I think the, it's because people don't hold him in such high regards anymore. South or maybe Paul was a big misstep, I think. I think it was a big misstep. It might have been like a reality check for everyone, yeah. including himself. Yeah. So we did Magnificent Seven, which was exactly what you wanted out of it. Magnificent Seven was sweet. Yeah. It was good. Um, guys, welcome to the show. We break down action movies on the show. Those action movies adhere to four basic rules. Number one, the hero always plays by their own rules. Bobby Swagger is that kind of hero, no question. His name says it all. Yeah. Swagger. Swagger. Bubbly Swagger. Who, I can't really do a we? good. I'm not really. Oh, is doing that clever? I was trying. Bubbly Swagger. I can't really. Do <laughs> You're a like good a old. He sounds southern. really old when he does it. He does. No, that's not it. He does sound really old. When... <laughs> I think of something he says. That's Morgan Freeman trying to use the restroom. <laughs> um, you know what this is? I can't do yeah, it. Yeah, this is bad. Done. This is really uh, bad. Rule number two: the hero and the villain are always the smartest people in the room. It's weird because I don't think they make Danny Glover out to be very smart. I, you know what? I, my thesis, part of my thesis is thesi, because I have two. Mm. Um, that's that's part of it. Is is they don't make him that smart, and they also kind of muddle him. Yeah. By bringing in other villains, so and by editing the audio in such a way that you can't understand most of what he says. You can't understand what most of anyone says <laughs> it's in this film. Very poorly edited audio. Yeah. I mean, they just mumble to each other. Other than when. Uh, Kmar says, Swagger? Yeah. Bobbly Swagger? Swagger. She sounds like Clarice Starling she from uh, Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, it's re- a remarkably bad performance from an actress who's actually been very good in her career. Yeah. We were even talking about recently what she's been in. She's in The Martian. She's one of the... Yeah. She's great. She is. She is. <laughs> I, I know. I was totally off base when I said that yesterday. And it was because I was... I was watching this, and I feel like this is what I've seen her do the most, unfortunately. Yeah, anyway, bizarre. But um, (laughs) rule number three, the movie is driven by a police, military, or political, or mercenary figure. When we say political, it means they could either be the man or work for the man. Uh, In neither case is is, is that the deal. He is military. He's ex-military. He's military AF. Yeah, he's military AF. He's a... uh, they, what do they call them? Gunnery sergeants, right? Yeah. He's a gunnery he's sergeant. He's gunnery sergeant. He's a sniper. He's highly decorated. Um, he can wanna... shoot a uh, silver dollar from a mile away. Yeah, six times, dead yeah. center, half an inch apart. 
How does he miss by a foot? How does he miss by a foot? That's like some Nick Cage snake eyes shit. <laughs> it was a phantom punch. <laughs> um, so, Damn uh, it, you beat me too. <laughs> rule number four. The movie contains a minimum of one explosion. Yeah, this movie is, the, is our rules in spades. It's perfect. Yeah, this is like as dead on as it gets. It's so funny. Movies that we don't we don't even discuss the rules because a lot of movies going into deciding whether they're on the show or not, we always discuss our rules. We didn't even talk about it on the shooter and it's perfect. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just exactly what you would expect it to be, guys. A classic American action movie. So we talk about action movies here, guys, and if you want to follow along in the conversation, I mentioned you can find me at Ben Bateman Media. Andrew, where can the folks find you? They can find me at Andrew Guy on Instagram and Twitter, and I also have the live chat going. It looks like Marissa's got it up as well, so we're all kind of... We're all kind of chiming in today. We're humming. We're humming. Cool. Um, if you guys want to follow along, please follow the podcast as well, at AMA Podcast on Twitter. Um, we, we got a couple really cool suggestions this week. Um, we didn't put up AMA Question of the Week, but somebody tweeted one in anyway. Um, did mm. you see that this morning? I didn't. Oh, it's fantastic. They were talking about epic matchups of characters from different mediums. Okay, so I wasn't sure if that was a question. I thought it was just like a suggestion for a segment. I think that's awesome. And the one they suggested was Nathan Algren versus Tavington. Last Samurai versus the Patriot. Which I read imagine? that and my jaw dropped. Oh, me too. Jaw dropped. In fact, he, you talk for a second. I'm going to find who that was. Okay. that deserves I, a shout out. I don't know what to talk about. I feel stuck. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. So I think that would be a sweet segment. And, and also, I think that's part of why I want to go into talking about our thesis. Actually, you know what? No. Let's queue up the trailer. That is usually the next thing we do. And you're going to look up a Twitter name. It's, so, uh, uh, at here comes the underscore fuzz. Killian Hegarty. Thank you, Killian Hegarty. Fantastic suggestions. The other one on here was the T-800 versus Agent Smith. Also awesome. That would be a very good one. But I really do think that Nathan Algren versus Tavington is like... That's one of the sweetest... Could you imagine if Tavington was in The Last Samurai instead? Just unbelievable. Yeah. <sighs> Mind blown. Just brilliant. The two of them together? Beautiful oh, cinema, my God. friend. That is beautiful cinema. So that's... Uh, anyway, that's <laughs> that's amazing. Thank you guys so much. If you want to follow along and suggest things like that, get shout-outs on the show, please find us at AMA Podcast, and leave your thoughts and comments on the YouTube below. Oh, one thing I wanted to, uh, to throw out there. Really quickly, before we watch the trailer for Shooter, which I'm very excited for... 2007. Guys, we, I believe, this week are going to be hitting 8 million views on Action Movie Anatomy. We are. I think we're at 8 million this week. Wow. Um, we 8 million people have watched Sometime us. between now and next show, we will be crossing the 8 million view mark. And uh, 8 million! 8 million people. That's ex- let's, let's give us a little golf clap for that. Like, what the hell? <laughs> How did that happen? I don't know, man. It's so crazy. You and I created this show literally just because we like movies. And we had no idea where it was going to go or if it was even going to happen. And to think that 8 million people have sat down and watched and talked about movies with us is... That's awesome. It's insanity. Yeah. It's total insanity. Every once in a while we get a reminder, somebody will text or... Not text, but tweet at us or leave a comment, uh, stop us at like a convention or something, and let us know that they love what we do. And it's an unbelievable feeling. We are so thankful to every one of those 8 million views. We've loved the whole process the whole time, and we intend... To, to, to get all the way to 10 to 20 million. So yeah. my mom's probably like 1 million of them, but the other seven. Yeah. <laughs> and she leaves 1 million YouTube comments she and Facebook sure, comments. She sure does. But wow, 8 million. That's, that's yeah. incredible, guys. Thank you yeah. so much for that. Big time stuff. Um, let's watch the trailer for Shooter. 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 Red Lobster? <laughs> Happy Gilmore reference for those of you that didn't get it. Come on, boy. It's a good dog. I hate when they do this with dogs in the beginning because you know they're going to kill it later. And I don't like when people kill dogs. Bubbly swagger. Bubbly swagger. There's going to be an attempt on the life of the president. The shot will be taken from beyond a mile. Maybe Danny Glover's voice was always like that because I was thinking about the Royal Tenenbaums. He sounds like this, and that's he does. that's seven years before this. Like I don't remember him sounding like that in Lethal Weapon, so maybe it was somewhere in his forties. It got much the more brittle as he got older. Five or six people to make sure like that. And the director of Training Day. Yes, because that's the only thing he ever did. Take him, take him now. How does that guy miss? Seriously. I get why he was so upset. Sergeant Bob Lee Swagger. I didn't do whatever they said I did. I'm in some bad trouble and I need some help. Swagger. 
Schwagger. You're probably Schwagger. <laughs> they delivered me on a tray wrapped up like a present. He lost 20 pounds for this role. Yeah, got shredded, which makes sense because he looks shredded. 20 pounds is a lot of weight. It's Schwarzenegger predator shit. Yeah. Celine Polos. You need to back off this. Agent Memphis. Michael Pena is the ultimate smart dumbass. Yeah, he's great. I love that guy. Observe and report is amazing. Love it. This is a Delta level clearance request. Really weird, dark movie. Yeah. This guy's good. There's gonna be more shooting, more people are gonna die. I didn't start it, but I mean to see it through. We got him. How could you miss? He was this close to you. Set about our justice. This is like a pretty standard 2007, like, Enemy of the State style trailer. Cable movie. Yeah. Like, exactly. This This could just as easily, if you swapped out. Honestly, if you just swapped out Wahlberg, you could see this movie on cable. Yeah, totally. Well, you you know that the one of the original choices for this movie that it was offered to was uh, uh, what's his name Goldman, uh, William Goldman, what the bad guy from Last Samurai, the guy from Ghost. Oh, perfect. Is it Samuel Tony, Goldwyn? Tony Tony Goldwyn. Goldwyn. Yeah, Tony Goldwyn. I believe is one of the one of the original He's choices. A great shit weasel. Yeah, which is funny because like this. <laughs> You can't put that guy in this movie. Like, that's such a strange lead. No. The other ones that it was offered to were, like, Clint Eastwood and Harrison Ford, and people who were, like, way older. Yeah, which, which like, I guess fit the billing of the original, uh, of the book, yeah. the novel. But um, I think it would have been misappropriate in the movie. This movie, yeah, like, like, okay, so this is what we're going to do here, guys. Uh, we are going to get into something. Uh, we're going to do a game here in a second, but we're going to start what we always start with, which is thesis statement. And thesis statement is that part of the show, something, we, we focus on a, a big detail, something in the movie that, like, we really paid attention to the whole time. should almost be rooted in, like, hyperbole, like, the greatest this, the best this, the single example of this that is the most relevant I can think of ever. Um, it should never be something soft, like, this is, you know... Danny My Glover is, is a pretty great villain in this. Yeah, or even something like, you know, Mark Wahlberg is a very believable sniper in this movie. Like, that's not good enough. It's got to be something True. that you can really hold on to. Something you'd want to kind of, like, you know, tout at a party if this movie came up. Yeah. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in first, if you don't mind. If you're at a party and Shooter comes up, <laughs> by the way, you should leave. It's a weird party. <laughs> it's a weird party, man. <laughs> um, all right, this is what I'm going to say. Uh, Antoine Fuqua is the definitive trashy action movie director alive right now. This yep. is his definitive film. Drop this is his definitive film. You know what? <clears throat> it's his definitive trashy action film. I think that Antoine Fuqua, this represents him more than any movie I can think of, and I'll explain why. Oh, God. You know what? I, I totally disagree with you on that, yeah. but I love your thesis statement, so go. This is what I'm going to come from. So there's a lot of things in this movie that happen where you're just like, oh, so that so it's this kind of movie, where you're yeah. like, where you're like, this, you could have been so much more intelligent with this scene or like you didn't even have to have this scene in the movie at all. This villain could be so much less like black and white cardboard or you didn't have to have that useless exposition. Like there's all yep. these things like the chick that answers the door doesn't need to have her shirt open and not wearing a bra clearly and have like full makeup on. It could be like she could just be in a robe and like not really look very good because it's the morning. Like, right. It's like so many things about this movie. Him slow-mo walking away with an American flag waving behind him. There's so many things about this movie that you're just like, this is just a trashy action movie. Like, you guys aren't even trying to make this intense. Like, it's overly violent. It's just, it's totally fucking sweet. Yeah. But, like, it's... And it, what it makes you realize is that there are... The alternatives to, to this movie, which is, I think, the most distilled example, the closest one you can come up with is Olympus Has Fallen. It's In his career? Yeah. Gotcha. It's close. Olympus Has Fallen is like a similar kind of thing where it's way grot it's grotesquely violent. It's like totally hilarious and ridiculous. It has a bunch of scenes where you're just like, oh, Penny, I'm sorry, babe. Like, thirsty as fuck. Yeah. And then I would say, you know, he, he gets a lot of credit for Training Day. But if you think about Training Day, there's a lot of scenes in Training Day where it's like, did Ava Mendez need to run naked in that scene? Like she did. I mean, it's a good scene because <laughs> she's super it, hot. Then leave that scene alone. <laughs> but like, you don't need it. It doesn't yeah, not at do all. anything not for at the all. movie. There's tons of scenes like that in his movies where you're just like you're just trying to do something that's like R-rated to do it. Right. You could and, make this movie better without those things. But that's the kind of director that he is, which is I think ultimately like didn't you feel that Magnificent Seven was overly violent? Yeah, absolutely. Super absolutely. And so the reason that I love your thesis statement is because I completely agree that Anton Fuqua is the trashy action movie director of this generation. But 
I disagree with your choice of film. I think Southpaw is the greatest example of that. Okay. And the reason I agree and believe that Southpaw is the greatest example of that is for all the points that you made, and that's why that movie wasn't great. There's something about boxing movies that we as a nation and as fans of movies, we love. Yeah, it's the most yeah. believable sports take in movies, like period. Yeah. Always is. And there's something that just like you you empathize with them. You feel for them. And Southpaw, they kill the wife. They show that in the trailer for God's sakes. The villain is like for one God of the sakes. most for God's sakes, one of the most over the top, cliche, ridiculous, unbelievable villains. He like his posse like kills his wife, yeah. essentially. Like in a weird just anyway. That movie was Oscar bait. Yeah. They talked about and like Jake Gyllenhaal winning Best Actor, but it, when you watched it, it was just a trashy action film. Yeah, with like trashy, shitty boxing in it, a storyline that was ridiculous and completely unthought out and cliche. Yep. And Fuqua directed it, but the, the thing is, if you didn't present it like that, if yeah. you didn't present it as a film that should win an Oscar, I've been like, this is kind of just like a trashy boxing. You'd movie. be like, you should see Southpaw. It's it looks sweet. sweet. Yeah. It's sweet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which so the ultimate, I think. We, we're on the same page now. which And is it's the, not that I don't like Fuqua. Yeah, I would say I used to think I didn't like Fuqua. Um, this is almost episode 80, guys. Going on 8 million views pretty soon. Let me just point that out one more time. Uh, going on 8 million views pretty million, soon. Million, I can million. honestly say it's taken me 80 episodes to truly appreciate Antoine Fuqua. Yeah. In the beginning of the show... It took me two episodes to appreciate Tom Cruise. Yeah. <laughs> In the beginning of the show, I didn't appreciate Tony Scott anywhere to the point that I do now. I didn't even... I was like, why do we keep talking about Ridley Scott's brother? Right. You know? Eventually, you watch these movies, you study what's going on, and you start to realize that just in the same way that I will give Michael Bay credit for being Michael Bay, like Mm -hmm. he's good at what he does, exactly what he does, I will give Antoine Fuqua credit for being the same thing. His movies don't have to get hyped to be the summer's biggest blockbuster release like Michael Bay's do. Michael Bay, that was his thing for a long time, was if he put a movie out, it was a Michael Bay movie. He's a little more in the category of Fuqua now. And he still gets the biggest actors in the world. Yeah. You know? You know, like, the equalizer to me is... It's the same kind of movie as this. It's just that you get to put Denzel in it, so it's just a little bit sweeter. Like, mm-hmm. But it's the same kind of nonsense where, like, the bad guy is just completely, like, overly bad. And, like, most of the scenes are super, super trashy and cliche. It's a one-man-against-the-world type thing. Yeah, and it's so at the end of the day, it's totally awesome. He's totally awesome. And I think that if you're going to really focus on what makes Antoine Fuqua awesome... This is the movie that shows it. This is the best representation of him being him. Yeah, because this movie is really sweet. It doesn't really try to be more than it is. That's the thing. This movie, more than any of them, does not try to fool you. No. It just is what it is. Yeah, and and did they... They still brand it as from the director training day, but still. (laughs) Okay, so my thesis statement, I have two, and my joke one is that uh, Elias Cotius and Christopher Maloney are the same person. What does Christopher Maloney look like? He's the guy from Law & Order SVU. And <clears throat> just, Marissa, any chance we could have a, a picture of, uh, of Christopher just, Maloney throughout? Literally, Thank just you. type in Elias Cotius in Google and go to images, and it'll just—it only shows the comparison pictures. That's all I could think about watching this whole film is huh. that they were the same person. Elias Cotius, uh, most famously, I think, is in the Thin Red Line. I believe that's his most. Famous He's been role. in a lot of great films. Okay, yeah. so look, that's just like they're all just pictures of both of them. <laughs> they're the same person. That's the same person. Oh yeah, look at that. Except it's it's Cotius is on the left. Yeah. Yeah, I could tell. I'm on you, too. <laughs> you won. Uh, okay, so that's my joke thesis, because that's just the thing I can argue at yeah. a party. And okay. I will. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I will intend. fight. I will bring up shooters so I can argue it. And people will and leave. you're coming to that party. <laughs> uh, the other one is, and I've said this time and time again, and that's why I'm going to like change it just a little bit. You can't have a great action movie without a great villain. Okay? You can't do it. Now, is Danny Glover kind of sweet and a good villain? He kind of is. But they muddle it by bringing in the guy that's like, he's like Russian in every other film that he's in, but he's in a wheelchair in this one. I can never remember his name, but he's great. I do love him. Mikhail Prokhorov? Is that? Is Owner that... of the Brooklyn Nets? <laughs> yes, I believe, I believe that's his name. And then you got Kotias. Kotias. Uh, it's a restaurant in San Diego. Real cool. place. And then and then you've got the uh, this random senator at the end. Oh, so you've sure. got like four bad guys when you originally had just Glover. Yeah. And, and I think if you just stuck with Glover and you had a sweet... 
showdown with him because the showdown ends up being with the senator. Glover's just kind of picked off. Yeah, it's true. There there are a lot of villains. Not, none of them really seem like they're that smart. They all seem kind of dumb and cardboard and black and white and just like... So why not make Glover just a little more dominant, a also, little smarter? Also, because he, he had the Congressional Medal of Honor, it's like you'd believe that he was a little more cunning and like yeah. of a badass. Yeah, it was definitely a strange choice, and I think this movie's a little overly long. It feels like it has two, it's like two parts. Yeah, it is long. Distinctly, it has two parts. Like, this movie could have, I think, very been easily been an hour and 25 minutes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because two hours for this film is, that's the Fuqua part. It's a little redundant. Of taking it a little yeah. too seriously. Or, yeah, redundant is perfect. So we'll talk a little bit more about, like, why it's long and the script and things like that in just a second. But let's move on to our next game, something that we are going to be calling The Name Game. This was suggested by one of our users a while back. Um, I wish that we had that pulled up in front of me because I feel like giving you credit, but I don't have it in front of me. Um, this is where we come up with a silly title that isn't the one used for the movie because Shooter is kind of forgettable. Yeah. Um, so go ahead and pull it up because I'm going to actually tell you what the name of the film originally was uh, in the book. So my title is Stop Swagger Time. Swagger Time. Got to do it. That's great. You, ha- I just had to because you know what? The movie doesn't take itself that seriously and uh, that's a perfect title. It's an excellent title. And you know what? I'd see it. <laughs> <laughs> I would go watch Stop Swagger Time and if it was just a preview of him just killing people. Um, the The... Original name of this book, uh, I wish I had written it down here. I have all this stuff written oh, yeah. about the writers. I just don't have it written down. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marissa, can you ask one more quick favor? If Will you go just... to Shooter Wikipedia, it should be like go one of the it. first things. Um, perfect. That would be amazing. Uh, so I decided to come up with, like, this is a pretty trashy movie, and, like, this feels like if, if this were made in the era of, like, Steven Seagal, it would be starring Steven Seagal. <laughs> so uh, I decided that. Uh, in Deadly Company was my title. <laughs> I was going to say In Deadly Sight yeah. is what I was going to say. <laughs> or or just Deadly Company. I think Deadly Company might be better. But if it was the 90s, it would be In Deadly It'd Company. In Deadly for... Company. Because, in like, company. he's, like, a sniper, so his company, they're deadly. Steven Seagal is Bob Lee Swagger. But then he's also working with people who can't be trusted, so they're also deadly. That's his <laughs> Deadly Company he's in. In Deadly Company. Always working with people that can't be trusted. In Deadly Company. So the name of the novel was called Point of Impact. Point right. of Impact. By Stephen Hunter. Yes, which I, is not a good enough title for this. Point of Impact. Point of Impact is not good. No, no. Um, all right, what guys. a stupid name of a stupid <laughs> book. <laughs> Thank you, Marissa. Um, let's, let's move on to the next part of this episode. This is going to be very controversial. I have my defense of oh, this. Oh, God, man. Um, let's, uh, let's get into fist pump moment, guys. Fist pump moment's that moment where something happens in the movie, and you look over at your buddy, and you're just like, awesome this is the best you're like this is fucking sweet you're like this movie's so awesome i can't believe i get to watch the rest of this movie right now it's kind of maybe that moment that you realize you realize this is the kind of movie you're watching or or it's one of your favorites and something happens and you're just like that's just the greatest i'm so elated now i know what you're gonna say yeah i know everything that you're gonna say to defend it too and so i I actually am kind of on board i'm gonna hop on first go ahead and i'm gonna go with It's tough because this movie doesn't have enough gravity or weight to it a lot of the time to yeah. have like that moment of like, yes. Yeah, right. But it did come for me at the end when he finally shoots the senator. Yeah. I don't know why, but it's just an, a, a, a like very gory headshot. Yeah. It's like, you know that no matter what the dude says, he's going to kill him. And it's after a great shot to Glover. Because even though I think that they should have focused on Glover's death more, yeah. it was still a sweet shot. Yeah, like, through, the, through the like chest, and he's like, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. He's like choking to death. Uh, but yeah, he just walks up with a sweet gun. He's like, I'm a senator. He's like, yeah. I know. And then boom, yeah. and it's just like, his head like explodes. Totally. It's gnarly. And I was kind of like, fuck yeah. That's exactly what needed to happen. If that's the way you wanted to go with this whole thing, yeah. that's what needed to happen. Yeah, totally. This Yeah, this movie's... <clears throat> Way over the top, and it really does feel like one of the, those old school, like eighties. Nothing it, is really sort of taken very seriously. Action movies. I think your your thesis should have been that this should have been a Seagal movie in the eighties. Yeah, because that's that was brilliant. That so, like blew my mind. So here's my fist pump moment, guys, oh, and I'm gonna God. explain it. Swagger shows up to Kate Mara's house, knocks on the door. Now we all know that it's gonna be Kate Mara already because of the foreshadowing in the scene when his buddy shows him the picture. And he's like, he's like, oh, that's your lady or whatever. And he's like, yeah. And then he dies. You're like, yeah, well, that's Kate Mara. Obviously, that's going to be the girl in this movie, yeah. even if you have never seen it. So he shows up. She opens the door. And, like, it's that moment where you're like, oh, it's this kind of movie. She's, like, she's like clearly done up. 
she like her 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 uh, whatever her robe is open. She's clearly not wearing a bra. It's yep. like it's like just sex object. And you're like you're like so that's what you guys are gonna do here, huh? That's why she's in this film. On top of which, because this movie is so completely over the top, and this movie is so completely unbelievable. They make Elias Coteus like a super rapey character. Of course they do. Which is like, again, it's like, let's just push every villain to the extreme and let's make everybody super patriotic. Let's that's make a, the woman that's, an that's object. That's a cheap trick they use in movies a lot is, is throwing yeah. rape in when they can't think of like a real good story behind this guy or a real way to make him bad. They're just like, ah, just do that because everyone hates that guy. Of course. It's deplorable. And he is deplorable from the second that happens. Yep. So everything about this movie for me as far as like the, the how sort of like male and like masculine 80s action is the moment that she opens the door when you're like, I almost know exactly how this is going. You almost laugh. You chuckle. Yeah, because then like she's like later she's like I'm trained to be a nurse and you're like oh and she and he's like he's like perform surgery on me and she's like luck she's like she's like I got it and then she like does the surgery and it works five bags of blood and tissue it's it's totally absurd but like when that happened I I found myself making jokes about the moment for the rest of the movie while we watched it because like I don't know it's just like. It's just, it was, it was as over the top as any of the violence to me, I guess. is, is That's what it is. is that it is. The yeah. violence is expected in a movie like this. All over gratuitous. You can make a decision if you want to make the female character, like, a total object or not. And they basically make her a total object in this movie. Yeah, because she doesn't do anything else throughout the whole film, really. So let me make it very just get, clear. Like, taken hostage and... I'll do yeah. it for you so you don't have to defend yourself. Yeah. You're not being sexist. You're making a point to the film... Of, of saying that, like, the moment that the girl opens the door and is, like, not wearing a bra and, like, has to cover up, but she's wearing perfect hair and eye makeup, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, she literally is just about to go on a runway, it's it's just a joke. It's not real. And it, t- it pulls you out of it. Because as an audience member, even as a male, even if you're a guy that's like, oh, God, she's fucking hot, you still, like, you have that moment where you're like, but why? So here's the question for you. This is something I asked right after it happened <clears throat> in the movie. Okay. Do you think that in the script... The direction was very specific no. for a reason. I don't think so. You, you mean like you you think like in the script there was like written costume design of like she looks dressed up in this way but is not wearing maybe this? maybe or or like something like that or like she's a she's a beautiful like Southern belle which like would make the rape sort of like the rapey stuff because it's actually they don't actually make it clear what actually ever happens. I could I could totally see in the script that it would be like. A beautiful Southern Belle that has just woken up is is startled by Swagger's knock at the door. Right. Something like that. I guess I just was sort of trying to figure out, like, it is so obvious. Swagger. And we don't give... We give Fuqua very little credit, but he's obviously much more accomplished and smarter than we make fun of him for. So I think that he's very aware of it's that. It's the same thing that Bay did, dude. When he cast Megan Fox, it was like he had five girls come and wash his cars. Yeah. And videotape them washing his cars. Yeah. And that's how he cast her role. You know, like... <clears throat> sex sells you yeah. know and yeah. as much as we don't like to admit it like that's something that happens all the time in this industry and if, even if it's something that we don't agree with or that we think is used uh, ridiculously yeah it happens alright let's move on let's even move though on. I'm defending it I feel uncomfortable I understand <laughs> don't feel uncomfortable <laughs> I'm sorry Marissa I tried to defend it he did okay at least tried she, she's just gone <laughs> she's <laughs> You guys haven't been on air for five minutes. Uh, All right, guys, let's move on to the next part of the show here, Star Profiles. We're going to talk a little bit about these guys and where they were in their career when this movie was made. We usually like to focus on the top two. So in this case, you could have made an argument for Kate Mara. You could have made an argument for Danny Glover. But I think it's pretty clearly Michael Pena is the second lead in this. Yeah. Um, And then Wahlberg. So this is a funny part of Wahlberg's career. 2006, he's in The Departed. He got an Oscar nod for that, I believe. Which is ridiculous. He's great in it. He's great in it. Yeah. Oscar nod? Could yeah. you imagine if he actually won Best Supporting Actor for that? No, that wouldn't. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> so, I love that movie, and I think he's great in it. Yeah. He gets this, the Oscar nod for, for Departed in 06. Also, one of my favorite Guilty Pleasure movies of all time, Invincible, 2006. So Vince I love pa- that he's wearing an Eagles jacket yeah. in the movie. Yeah. Vince Papali, he plays <clears> the like the like local the local bartender who... like. Uh, Goes, he's like a walk-on. He's like a walk-on they do tryout. Like open tryouts in Philly. For, it's a true story. Yeah. I mean, it's based on a true story. And he like gets on the team, and he's like a special teamer, and he has like a block or something in a game once. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's awesome. Invincible's great. If you guys are like, oh, it's like, so fun. Yeah, if you like sappy sports movies, that's a fantastic one. Yeah. And then Four Brothers, which is John. Uh, that's not uh, John McTiernan. It's um, John Singleton. It's mm. the guy who directed Ledger's in that as well. No, no, no. Uh, 
Garrett Hetland. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Boys in the Hood director, Baby Boy director, John Singleton. Uh, and uh, baby boy, <laughs> yeah, Andre Andre three thousand, and the last guy is uh, Tyrese, right? That sounds good. Have you never seen Four I Brothers? Will, no, you've never seen Four Brothers? No. Oh, have you? Yes. You enjoy it? No. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's not a good movie. I've heard that from everyone that has talked to me about Four Brothers. But like oh five oh six, this is like a big transition period in Wahlberg's career. Yeah, it's it's like uh, people have gotten over the fact that it used to be Marky Mark. Yep. And now you're working your way towards leading man. That's what you're doing. Because a few years before this, the credits that you're looking at from like 01 to 04 is like Perfect Storm, Mm -hmm. The Italian Job, Planet of the Apes. um, Right, which was one of those things where when he was doing those, I mean, Italian Job is pretty good, but Planet of the Apes, it was almost like this is too much too soon. Yeah. I think so. I think he kind of took like a, a seat. I think that's why Departed might be the most important movie in his career. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I think the other big thing was that, uh, Entourage launched to somewhere around here. I think Entourage launched maybe in like 04. That sounds about right. That's the important thing that's happened in his career, for sure. And this, because everybody knew that it was kind of like loosely based on his story, he was the producer, it kind of had that whole vibe, he got a lot of press for Entourage. That was a yeah. big thing for him. It's still so crazy when you go to Wahlberg's IMDb page, the first thing that pops up pops up are his producer credits. Yeah, of course. He's yeah. produced tons of stuff. I mean, it's, it's also really cool to see that Wahlberg has made such an incredible impact in the last decade since 06 really his career has been wildly successful i think he won us all over i'm totally one over. i, I yeah. totally got one over because i didn't like Wahlberg originally other than like i thought he was fantastic as dirk diggler because he just played himself right like that was what i thought great dirk diggler oh yeah he's yeah. great um now <laughs> you look at michael pena um world trade center the the tragic world trade center mm-hmm. um both the event and the film. Yes. Um, the, <laughs> yes, very well said. Yeah, the film 06, this was one of those too much too soon examples. It was just like, really? Yeah, it was one of those things. United 93 came out, I think, like, the what was it, probably the same year or something like that. United 93 came out around the same time, and I think there was a sense from people they watched United 93 and they liked United 93, and, yeah. and people were willing to enjoy it. And I, I guess this movie came out, and it was like... It was like that thing they do with disaster flicks or earthquake, volcano films, superhero films. It's like, no. Well, it's like it's like United 93 was like Paul Greengrass wasn't starring a big star. Wasn't about no. the trade centers. It was like this great story, <clears throat> really well done, great movie. Um, World Trade Center, then you switch over, you're like... Huh, so uh, Nick Cage, he's doing Ghost Rider this year also, and he's going to star as a fireman in this World Trade Center movie. You know, about that thing that happened a few years ago. Yeah, that big deal thing. And it was like, I just, I've never seen it. I've never had any interest in seeing it. I don't think I ever, I don't like to talk about things that I haven't seen. Yeah. But I don't think I need to in this sense. And it was directed by Oliver Stone, I'm fairly certain. Yeah. It's just one of those things. Um, then Babel in 06, which I've seen. I don't remember him in Babel, to be honest. I don't really either. Babel's just like one of those classic Oscar dramas. Yeah, Gonzalez you know? NRD2. It's like one of those really, really dark, super Slow. intense. Yeah. Yeah, it's like Kate Blanchett and Brad Pitt, I believe. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a good movie. Uh, and then Fifty Pills, I've never heard of. I haven't heard of it either. He's like not even in the top billing, but that's just that's why I put it in. Is like this dude in his career. I mean, he still kind of is fighting to to be relevant. And like, I know he was just an Ant Man, and he yeah. he's in great movies all the time. But he's a guy that if he didn't show up in a movie for five years, everyone would forget about him. Right, definitely. You know? He uh, wasn't he also in? He's in Crash. Yeah. In 06. Yeah, he's the dad of the uh, yeah. of the daughter. That's the other movie that would have come out in 06. Yeah. Um, which is a huge one, obviously. Yeah, I didn't, it was right afterwards. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, all right, moving down. Let's uh, let's get into the next bit here. We're going to play a little game, something something inspired by uh, Andrew, one of Andrew's thesis statements about his boy uh, Elias Coteus and uh, what was his name? And uh, Christopher Maloney. And Christopher Maloney. And this is going to be uh, just a little quick top three Top three actor lookalikes. Uh, people yeah, that, why people, not? Yeah, this seems like a fun thing to do. So uh, we showed a Christopher Maloney picture already. Are you using that as one of yours? Uh, I am going to use that as one of mine. Okay, so we've seen that one already. I'm going to throw. I'm going to throw mine out here. Uh, Marissa is going to help us out with this. Thank you so much, Marissa. If the folks want to find you, you do two episodes of Anatomy of a Movie every week on the Popcorn Talk Network, as well as numerous after shows. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Oh, hi, oh Steven. hey, Steven. Marissa does that. Hey, Steven. Uh, we were going to throw up her, her cred so people could find her, but uh, we chased her off with the extremely sexist thesis statement, apparently. Exactly. Um, so I hope you're kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, so basically what we're doing right now, Steven, is a lookalike game, and we just need you to Google, you know, 
uh, name versus name look alike, essentially. So uh, this number one I'm going to go with is Anna Gasteyer and Catherine Hahn. Oh, that's a good one. I've actually mistaken Catherine Hahn on a red carpet for Anna Gasteyer twice. No, not to her. Not on camera, but I did give the wrong direction to a co-host uh, about who she was after she had done the interview. Like, she didn't say it, like, you're this person. She did the interview. That's the chick from SNL. She asked random <laughs> questions, like, you know, like, just, like, and then afterwards, she was like, who was that? And I was like, that was Anna Gasteyer. And she, like, wrote it down, and then she, like, texted me the next day. She was like, that was Catherine Hahn, not Anna Gasteyer. I'm never working with you again. I mean, can you wow. blame me? Can you blame me? I can't. That's a very good one. Steven, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, pretty pretty uncanny. Pretty, pretty uncanny. They're both very funny. They're both very funny and very talented. Here's and, a question. Very lovely. What? Which one is in Step Brothers? The one on the right. No, excuse me, the one on the left. Sorry. Yeah, I think it is. I think Catherine Hahn is. Yes. Yeah. yeah, she's on the left. Right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's uncanny. It is uncanny. Right. Okay, so my next one that I'm going to go with, my first one was Coteus and Maloney, <clears throat> which you guys got to look that up. My next one is going to go, it's a throwback. All right. Because this, this, I don't feel holds as true anymore, but in the beginning of their careers, Natalie Portman and Kira Knightley, I thought always looked the same. I would always get them mixed up. And I think, like I said, this is a throwback because this is something that I did more as a child. But if you pull up pictures, if you type it in, the lookalikes... It's pretty uncanny as well, especially when they were younger. Well, you know, I mean, you know the, the the piece of trivia. The piece of trivia, obviously, is that in episode one, one of them is Queen Amidala and one of them is Padme. Exactly. Yeah, and they look, because in the makeup, they look so similar, nobody could ever tell. Yeah, no one cared. Yeah, it's a real thing. That was <laughs> a real thing that happened. It's a real thing that happened. It's a and real as movie, you can Jack. see, they look pretty similar. Which one's Knightley, Bateman? Knightley's on the right. Are you kidding? She's been my crush since I was like 12. I yeah, know. I mean, it's easy to tell it's, apart. It's, it's very obvious. Yeah. Kira Knightley has literally been my single female movie star crush since I was 12. I'm a big Rachel McAdams guy. Still am. Love McAdams. Yep. The only person that rivals her for me, Diane Lane. Diane Lane. Of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with my next one, and this is going to be one that's a little, I think, a little bit less exact and a little more like... It's just, I always, growing up, would refer to Dennis Quaid as the poor man's Kevin Costner. Yes, Dennis Quaid and Kevin Costner. <laughs> and I do think that they are similar on that one. Steven, do you think that there's any credence to Dennis Quaid being the poor man's Kevin Costner? Uh, I mean, maybe. I don't know about that. I, I mean, like, you think about their careers and stuff, and it's like, Dennis Quaid has been substantially less successful than Kevin Costner. Yeah, for sure. And uh, they do look very similar, and Quaid is kind of off the map now. I like Dennis Quaid a lot more than I like Kevin Costner, though. Wow, that's really that's really the two of them, huh? Yeah, insane. That's night, night and day. Costner's clearly on the left. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing about Dennis Quaid and Kevin Costner. First question: Have we done a single Costner or Quaid movie on the show? I don't think we have. No, I would. I, I like Mr. Brooks. Yeah, I don't think we could do it on this show. I just am saying. I think we could. There's a couple movies. There's Costner. We could do No Way Out, or we could do The Untouchables if we want to do either one. We could do uh, both directed by Brian De Palma. Yep. Um, we could. <laughs> we could do uh, Dennis Quaid, Dragon, uh, Dragonheart, right? No, it's not him. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> the Alamo, Inner Space. I love. I love me some Dennis Quaid. I do too. He's yeah. excellent, but he's just. You know, they 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 turned out to be different, like very different actors in terms of like where they were sort of shoehorned oh, in. Oh, absolutely! And they ended up both having super sweet careers. It was just in the early going, it, Costner would get like the the premium role, and Quaid would get like the, the slight second knockoff. billing or third billing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. One of Quaid's all timers is definitely Any Given Sunday. That's like one of the one of the oh, great ones. I love that one. Yeah, it's a good one. All right, so my last one, and this is this is what I was just thinking of on the on the way uh, on the way here was Bob Saget. And Stephen Colbert. Oh, that's good. Are identical. Yeah, it, it trips me out. And then I was like, I, I know I shouldn't be on my phone when I was driving. But I was like, I thought of it. And I was like, oh, let me Google that real quick. It blew my mind. Like, yeah, some of the pictures they have of the two of them together are <laughs> hilarious. Are they like, friends? I wonder. Oh, it gotta be. Yeah. Look at that. Holy moly, that is similar. It's the same guy. That's unbelievable. <laughs> that's really impressive. So uh, those are my top three uh, pairs of lookalikes. Who's your? Who's my last your one last I went one? with is maybe a stretch, but I just remember like the way they were sold to us. It's as much a, it's as much how they look as like when they came out and like what Hollywood tried to do as far as convincing us that they were stars. Okay, and that's Sam Worthington I, okay. and Jai Courtney. Yes, I completely get it. And it, it's it, the only reason that I think it falls apart a little bit is because Jai Courtney's career continued. Yeah. <clears throat> whereas Sam Worthington stopped. Well, but I they, think, unless I'm totally mistaken, Worthington's in Hacksaw Ridge. I think he's in it. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he 
I mean, it's not really <clears throat> that far. No, it's not. And I totally get the reason that you would put them together. Right? Yeah. Yeah, they're like the same. They, they play the same role, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. It was just like the leading man in any throwaway action film. Yeah, but like, but like, not a but lot of a personality lot of to either one of them. Both like, no both like, depth. both like, good actors enough to pull off what they're given. But like, neither one of them would you walk away. Like we talk about with Risky Business so much of the time. <clears throat> the most amazing thing about Risky Business is even though he's like twenty, you see Cruz and you're just like, oh, that guy's an absolute That's star. That's a star. You're like, yeah. there's no question that guy's a star. That you see this and you see those guys. You're like, those guys should be secondary characters. Yeah, you're like, these guys could be in movies. Maybe they'll surprise me next time. But it's it's not like magnetism. No, no, no not at all. Uh, <clears throat> okay, guys. So that I'm those gonna, are... I'm going to give you guys one. Oh, great! Excellent. I'm going to give you Matthew McConaughey and Josh Lucas. Oh, this is a good one. This yeah. is a very good. Literally, one. anytime I think of Sweet Home Alabama, that movie, I think Matthew McConaughey was in it until I have to be. Oh yeah, look at that. Reminded that he wasn't. All right, that's, that's not a bad. good one. That's a good one as well. McConaughey, since doing his whole turn for like a few years, where he got like 90 pounds, I feel like would look a little, little more distinctly different now. Yeah, yeah, definitely now, for Back sure. Back in the day. Yeah, it, definitely. This is classic uh, Fool's Gold. That's Fool's Gold <laughs> McConaughey. <laughs> Why is it that whenever we talk about old old school McConaughey, that's always the movie that's for the both of us that comes up? Why is that? That's such a bizarre movie. I know. I, don't, I think I've only seen it once, maybe, on cable. I've never seen it. That's yeah. not, like, we're not, we don't talk about, like, Ghost of Girlfriend's Past. No. We don't talk about Sahara. a Guy in 10 Days. Sahara. We don't talk about, like... Yeah. Like uh, a time to kill, which is like actually good. I actually like that movie. Days yeah. and confused, like it's always fool's gold. <laughs> For some reason, if that doesn't tell you about you and I. <laughs> then uh, I don't know what will. Um, okay, so if you guys have other great ones, let us know it at AMA Podcast or even throw them in the live chat, and we that way we'll be able to shout them out. But uh, those are our six pairs plus the uh, the honorable mention to McConaughey and Lucas. Let's talk a little bit about how this movie got made. Who who uh, the, the players were. Uh, Fun fact, Keanu Reeves was the original choice to pay to play Bob Lee Swagger. I'm so glad that it didn't happen because then John Wick wouldn't have wouldn't happened. Wouldn't have happened, exactly. Yeah. yeah, Wick is 2012, I think. Is that right? Or is it 2014, maybe? It's like later. Might be 14. Yeah. In 07, unless I'm mistaken, Keanu Reeves' most relevant thing he had done around there was a role in Something's Gotta Give. That's I think that's right. I think it was like 04, maybe. Yeah. He did Something's Gotta Give. And I remember him showing up and being like, oh, he's pretty good in this. And he's like kind of a hunk still. Yeah, that was because people needed a break after the Matrix trilogy, right? Yeah, and then Lake House, if if I'm not mistaken, is right around 06. Brilliant piece of cinema. Yeah. (laughs) Um, He just just didn't have, like, he didn't really have great luck with his roles around then. And I think before John Wick... He had definitely hit that that point where he didn't know where to. Yeah, he didn't know what to do. Yeah, and and it's cool that he sort of has managed to reinvent himself a little bit. I don't. I think it was too early. I don't think he would have worked in shooter. You know. Yeah. Wahlberg is kind of the perfect shooter, and and Wal and like, and like Reeves had to be put in, like Reeves for John Wick is the perfect John Wick. So you yes. couldn't swap it. Wahlberg could not have played John Wick convincingly. No, not that even wouldn't close. Have, that wouldn't have worked. And he's a good actor. Yeah. You know, it's just different. So it's, it's something about like the way Reeves talks, like his, his like empty soullessness. Yeah, it's perfect for John Wick. That movie's so good. Those I can't good. wait for John Wick too. Uh, real quick though, uh, someone said uh, Prince of Thieves mm. for Costner. Classic yeah. for a laugh too, because it's one of the worst British accents ever. Somebody just suggested Prince of Thieves last week. It's probably the same person. And then Rangers fans <laughs> said that uh, Sahara is his favorite film. Is it? He's no way. Rangers fan, <laughs> come on! No you've been with us a long. You've been with us a long time. That's you're, a real thing. Are you trolling us? Admit it if you're trolling us. You literally just blew Ben's mind by saying Sahara. That. <laughs> wow, that'd be that, that's like Steve Zahn and Penelope Cruz, right? I, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, wow. Um, it's about a desert. Unbelievable, <laughs> Rangers fan. I invite you to write us a reason we should do Sahara because if somebody loves that movie that watches this show, maybe we're wrong about. If you it. make a great thesis statement. It follows the rules, and you prove a good point. Might as well. You might damn well see it. We fucking love McConaughey, and I don't think there's going to be an opportunity to do a McConaughey movie on this show. Not really? Um, I don't think he's been that guy in a movie for us. I would, I would kill to do Lincoln Lawyer, but I just don't think it works. God, I love Lincoln Lawyer. It's just not a movie no, for the show. Not, not an action movie. Um, Swagger's name. This is another funny fact that I wrote down. Maybe a play on the term swag in sniping terms that stands for scientific wild ass guest yep yeah a quick calculation made on the fly something like that changes you don't know it becomes a trick problem he has to do it on the fly trick problem he has to do it on the fly <laughs> god damn he's so good so smart he's so smart he's the smartest guy in the room he, yeah absolutely um, alright guys let's talk about the writers here who wrote this so there's two guys involved you have Stephen Hunter and you have Jonathan Lemkin so uh, Stephen Hunter is the novelist that the film point of that the book point of impact that this is based on actually is great written by great title 
Yeah, Stephen Hunter. This is really funny. He just like just like the guy. Um, uh, 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 Childs Lee Lee Childs Lee Childs is that yeah. right? The guy that wrote the Jack Reacher books. Mm-hmm. Um, just like him has written an entire series of Swagger books. So he's written seven, I think, seven or eight. Three of which are about Bobby Swagger. Three of which are a prequel a prequel trilogy about Swagger's dad, and one of which is a book about Swagger's son. Um, it's his wheelhouse that he likes. To, he, he was uh, he was like in in the military for a couple years. I think in the late sixties. Um, worked at the Baltimore Sun. Yeah. He's been a he's been a journalist for a long, long time. He's like reviewed films. Um, he's a he's a firearm enthusiast. Um, Clearly, he's noted as like knowing a whole lot about guns. Um, and yeah, I mean, he won a Pulitzer as a film critic for the yeah. Washington Post. Mm-hmm. That's which like is a big thing. Yeah, and uh, it's just funny that like that. It's funny to me when you think about the script in this film, right? I yeah, exactly. Because I, I let me please finish your thought before so I jump in. Before we before we break the script down, because I think we will in just a second here. There's a second writer involved. Mm-hmm. So there's there's Stephen Hunter, who I think it's like ten or twelve books, uh, some compilations, one a Pulitzer. This is his only feature film credits, the only shooter novel or swagger novel that's been adapted. On the other side, you have Jonathan Lemkin. Lemkin's a guy that came up in the late '80s and the '90s, writing on like poli- like TV police procedurals, um, Twenty One Jump Street, um, Hill Street Blues. Like between '97 and '07, he worked on four films. '97, he wrote The Devil's Advocate with Tony Gilroy. That was they were, sweet. They were nominated for a, a Saturn Award for that. Um, he wrote one of the unused scripts, the very first unused script for Superman Lives. Um, that whole entire that saga, Nick Cage thing, yeah, yeah, that whole saga. There's tons of scripts people wrote drafts for. He wrote the very first draft of it. Um, he ended up writing Red Planet, Lethal Weapon Four. I think he's a brilliant writer. <laughs> and then Shooter <laughs> hasn't had a piece of active work since '07, but he's been rumored. That's ridiculous. Yeah, this guy wrote Lethal Weapon Four. Okay, <laughs> Lethal Weapon Four. It's Lethal Weapon Four, guys. He ripped the door off a tank. Um, he's rumored to be working on GI Joe Three. That was one project. Okay, yeah. Um, and then his name has come up in talks for several several other projects as well. One that would be directed by Frank Marshall. Um, these are like, I read some clippings from the last couple of years, but nothing credited on IMDb right now. So he's one of these guys who is still working, but hasn't had anything actually in theaters or on television since 2007. That's kind of surprising because I feel like he's the type of writer that would just be writing random throwaway like fun action movies or just TV episodes. He might be, know? and he just might. It, it's the the uh, Bonaventura, who is the production company behind Magnificent Seven, um, also is producing GI Joe Three. Yeah, which he's... is the reason that we think Lemkin maybe was attached to it, got that assignment. So, gotcha. Uh, um, before we get to Bonaventura, let's uh, let's talk about a little bit more about the script, like you were saying. What was the point you were going to make about the writing in the film? So well, the point I was going to make was a couple things. You can we talk about this a lot with action movies, but. It's very clear when you have a piece of a script that was really strong. Mm-hmm. Like you read, you read the two hundred pages or you know the ninety pages or whatever. It's very clear when there's like this is essentially three or four pages of dialogue that matters a lot to this film because there's a lot of exposition. There's some great lines back and forth. The entire exchange when Danny Glover shows up and is talking to Wahlberg, and that whole entire exchange, which is like kind of inaudible because of the editing so bad but when he says stuff like you're a hard man to find it's like not hard enough and he's like you know the, the, you, what, the all those lines about you enjoy working for the for the presidency and living in a free country right yeah you, know, the, you don't elect thugs because some years we you do. took an oath all that stuff it's all very quick and it's like i can see i can see thinking looking at the script and thinking oh there's some really good writing in here okay but it's a two-hour movie that has like barely any of that and most of it just gets thrown away and it doesn't really it almost feels out of place yeah and so my point behind it was like this guy is an award winning film critic a Pulitzer Prize winning award winning film critic that's not like an award they just give out lightly no uh, and it's kind of like you and I we always talk about writing an action movie and you wonder if thinking and watching these films and dissecting them for so long and becoming such an expert in the field maybe you, you're just not cut out to to do that and yeah. I feel like that's kind of the case with this guy because this, I don't know. I mean, this script kind of fell flat for me. Oh, yeah. You know, completely. It's just, it's all over the place. It's like trying to The theory to put... is ridiculous. Like the whole conspiracy theory and the whole, there's so many 
plot holes in it. It's also like trying to clearly to take a very large novel that has a huge amount of story and condense it into a two-hour movie and being unwilling to just chop out a whole bunch of the story. Yeah. Like, a whole bunch of the story could have been chopped off and made this movie better, but I think that's the ambition of Fuqua to take it and say, we want to adapt this and we want to make this a full story. He always gets caught between making a sweet epic and a throwaway action movie, and that's his biggest fault. Where, like, the Russian character, the sniper in the wheelchair, Yeah, he's pretty much irrelevant. Like, I he don't could, could think... be completely cut out of the film and his lines could be distributed throughout the other three guys. Yeah, you don't need them at all. No. Like, even the gunfight that's, like, out by his house. It, it should have just been the senator the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. You know? <clears throat> yeah, so I, I thought that was pretty interesting. Lemkin is much more clearly a guy who's, like, either a script doctor or is, like, a, you know, pen-for-hire type of guy. Because you look at the movies that he got made, it's, like, Shooter, Lethal Weapon 4, Red Planet, which was, like, kind of a throwaway movie. I, I just... I think he's got a co-writer on every one of these, yeah. including Tony Gilroy, who's like a fantastic writer. Um, that's a good person to get thrown in with. Yeah, but so I think that's pretty interesting. Uh, moving on to Anton Fuqua. We have talked about Fuqua many times. Um, he, lately. Yeah, he's come up a lot. Um, for those that don't know, he was made famous as a music video director, working with Tony Braxton, Coolio, Stevie Wonder. Um, his third film, Training Day, obviously is the thing that he's known for. Broke him onto the scene, and he has now, over the last decade, some of the movies we haven't mentioned... King Arthur, Tears of the Sun, ones we've covered Ugh. on here, Magnificent Seven, Olympus Has Fallen. We've done all of his good movies, right? Except for The Equalizer. Except for The Equalizer, yeah, which we're, is sweet. We're going to do The Equalizer. Which we will do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, he's just done a lot of movies. Um, <laughs> Southpaw, like, he continues to make movies, and he will continue to direct movies. And he'll keep getting chances to win Oscars. Yeah, he's, you know? he's put in a position to succeed. The hilarious thing is going to be in five years when his film win, wins Best Picture and is like legitimately good. Right. And our whole entire theory and the, all these discussions it's just it just completely falls apart. Washed away. Yeah. And it's just and we're just going to shake our head and just be yeah. like, we're so stupid. We are we're so, so wrong. Dumb. So just, wrong. And now the theory just doesn't hold any water anymore. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much what there is to say about Fuqua. I mean, yeah. there's not much else that we haven't said on this show. What I can say is I've learned to love the guy. I've learned to really appreciate what he does. Absolutely. Um, so moving on to Lorenzo de Bonaventura, Bonaventura, he uh, he spent most of the '90s as an exec at Warner Bros. and became the president of Worldwide Production. And uh, while he was there, he um, <clears throat> he started his own production company called De Bonaventura um, Pictures, which is based at Paramount. Um, but while what I was saying is, while he was at Warner Bros., that was when he Warner Bros. signed on the Matrix uh, trilogy and the Harry Potter series. So it was like. Basically, after he did those things, being in charge of that hot, like worldwide production, and he does the Matrix and Harry Potter, he could basically do anything he wanted. Um, and he went on to uh, the most recent thing that he's like working on is he purchased a uh, the film rights to a six part series of fantasy novels um, written by Michael Scott. And he says this is basically just this is what should be the natural evolution of what Harry Potter was back then. Got it. Got so, it. So that's like the next big step in his career. But it's interesting because. His career, he's mainly famous for his love of, like, popcorn action movies. He did the entire Transformers franchise. He's in the G.I. Joe franchise. He did Red <laughs> and Red 2. Uh, he's working on Die Hard Year 1 now. Okay, sweet. Yeah, so he's just, yeah, he's a big-time He's a big time action movie producer. Yeah, that apparently knows and loves the money behind, like, children's fantasy novels. Yeah, sweet. I mean, he's definitely pretty, pretty darn successful. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so let's move on to critical and box office here. This was produced by Paramount. Uh, the budget was $61 million, which, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, it was released March 23rd in 2000. It grossed $47 million domestically and an additional $48 million worldwide for a total of $95 million. So it didn't quite double its budget, but... You know what? Maybe that's why there's no sequels. Do you think this movie should have a sequel? Because I sure as hell don't. I would have expected them to make one. What about like a reboot in a couple of years? Like well, a new Bobbly Swagger? Or like, I guess, I don't know. It's got a show. I know. I mean, that's essentially... I guess that's what it it's is. It's almost just as good. You know, people yeah, like he the, can use all of his books. People like the movie. It was fairly successful. It had a brand name. People have regarded it as like a pretty entertaining movie that, that sticks around, that people enjoy. Um... You know, it didn't make a ton of money. It still made $95 million. Like, it's still... And the thing is, you could... I think at this point, with Wahlberg's star, you could definitely make a shooter two and expect it to do at least as well. Yeah. But it's kind of like Cruise the Reacher. It's like, do you really want to spend one of your movies in your sort of prime doing that? No, you it don't. Seems, it seems like with Cruise, he does that stuff. Like, he made Jack Reacher because 
he's the producer like he just he does what he wants to do he liked the first you know reacher it made money so he's gonna do a second reacher Mm -hmm. with Wahlberg, he doesn't seem as much just like i'll just do it to do it because i like the first one yeah i think he knows that he that people don't love him in the same way that they love tom cruise again or or did before to where it's like uh, i think they might hold hold his faults like with more weight to them you know what i mean i I was gonna guess that maybe he feels like he's got more to lose like cruise that's what i mean yeah cruise at this point is just like he doesn't care guys if you don't see jack reacher i'll just make another movie because i have a billion (laughs) dollars yeah so i think that's pretty interesting uh yeah it opened number three it's opening weekend yeah behind teenage mutant ninja turtles and 300 um and only made 14 million dollars again it's 2007 Wahlberg. it's the year after departed it's not like now Wahlberg's movies open and make a lot of money yeah we weren't on board especially especially after the the flop that was the planet of the apes movie it was kind of like okay no i guess you can't do it you can't be leading man and that was i think that that was all the way back in like Two thousand, maybe, and it wasn't even really his fault. It was like really so poorly Burton written, movie. and Tim Burton did it, and like the 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 apes in it were ridiculous. Yeah. Um, critically, this movie got a seven point two. That's really high. That's outrageous. That's outrageous. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Rotten Tomatoes gave it a forty eight by all critics, a forty four by top critics, and an audience score of eighty, which I think is much more appropriate. Because <laughs> as an audience, you know what to expect. As yeah. a critic. 48% is, is exactly what you should give it. Yeah, completely. 72? Yeah. That's in the top 30% of all movies made. Yeah. You know? it's That's... I rest my case. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> uh, Empire Magazine praised the movie, saying, The sequel ready... The sequel ready... Swagger challenges born supremacies with an impressive shoot 'em up, work it out action drama. Does not even remotely, that's not true. No. It doesn't challenge Bourne at all. It's like, this is a very poor action movie that has some entertaining scenes. The Bourne movies are fucking sweet. Jason Bourne is an iconic name that will live on in film forever now. Bobby Swagger is a sweeter name, and no one it knows who he is. <laughs> um, w- one thing that made me think of, just because I was co- in my mind comparing it actually to Bourne a little bit beforehand, is that. So, he gets spotted outside the diner by, like, whoever, cops or special agent guys, whoever those guys are. Right. Um, and also doesn't catch that he's being tracked and pictures are being taken of him from a distance yeah. scouting locations. Both things that Jason Bourne would never, ever have happened to him. Never happened to him. He would never, he would never be, like, ID'd outside the location, and he would also never, ever, ever have people, like, taking pictures of him from a distance that he was unaware of. Yeah, no one would pull a gun on him from behind either. No, never. It would never happen. (laughs) It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Now, Rotten Tomatoes consensus with an implausible story and numerous plot holes. Shooter fails to distinguish itself from other mindless action thrillers. I think it's pretty appropriate. Um, I think that's fair, and I think what you, the point you just made about the Bourne series and things like that is, is exactly why. One thing I will say, though, like, looking at old Seagal movies, if that's what they mean by mindless action thrillers, yeah. I have no interest in watching, like, most old Seagal. I have no interest in watching most old Van Damme. <laughs> I have no interest in watching a lot of crappy Schwarzenegger movies. Like, there's a lot of bad action movies that are with people that I enjoy. That are, are fantastic. Yeah, are people we respect and love a lot of their films. I just wouldn't want to watch them. And I would watch Shooter again. I was I enjoyed watching yeah, it. Yeah, it's fun. If it's on cable and I have nothing else to do and I'm like try, I'm like working on my laptop, hell yeah, Shooter's coming on. Yeah, it's got some good stuff going. So let's move on to Favorite Line. Um, if you guys have a Favorite Line, please share it with us in the chat or leave it in the comments. Um, probably the comments we're tweeting at us actually better because it will get lost if it's in the chat. Yes. Um, I'm going to jump in with my absolute favorite line of the movie. This was like the, the no question, yeah. you are Bob Lee swagger. Qualifier. And, yeah. yeah. It's a long line and he's he's talking to, to Danny Glover and Danny Glover's like, can you make a shot at a thousand yards? Something like that. Yeah, he's like, and he's like, and Bob Lee swagger's like, you know what it takes to make a shot at that range? Everything comes into play that far. Humidity, elevation, temperature, wind, spin drift. There's a 6 to 10 second flight time, so you have to shoot where the target's going to be. Even the Coralus effect, the spin of the earth comes into play. President's wearing body armor. That means a headshot at over a mile. You believe there's a shooter involved capable of making that shot? Yes. Well, then you got a real problem. You need to find the shooter. You need to find the shooter. Just like the, the fact that he references the spin of the earth. Yeah. yeah. Spin of the earth. Coriolis effect. Yeah. yeah. It's just brilliant. Uh... That actually, because when that happened, we were watching and we were talking about, like, you know, what would that bullet do to that guy at that range? You know, like, what would it actually do to the president and all that? And so I was reading Patrick Garrity, the the sniper expert that was brought on for the film that Fuqua hired. I thought this was super interesting. He wrote, 
when a round, or he was saying, when a round is fired, it will fall from 30 to 40 feet, depending on the distance of the shot. So a mile, it'll fall probably more than 40 feet. That's a, that's a huge drop. So it says, to compensate the round is fired in an arc calibrated by how far the round is going to fall, the distance of the shot, temperature, humidity, and the wind. Uh, and then he goes on and he talks about... <clears throat> what a bullet would do, what that bullet would do to someone. And he says at 1,800 yards, because of the hydrostatic shock that follows a large caliber bullet like that, a, a high-velocity round, um, the target would literally be peeled apart and limbs would be flying 200 feet away. So the archbishop would have literally just, like, exploded, exploded if he was shot with that bullet. Now, if they had done that in this movie, a couple things would have happened. <laughs> you and I would have, like, high-fived because it would have been, like, the most absurd thing ever. He fires a bullet that explodes the Archbishop. Right. We would have been like, there's no way that that's real. Which is, like, super funny that, like, that's actually what would have happened. But yeah. they probably knew, like, we can't go that far. He says, he's like, we can't show that on film. It's too much. Yeah. And people wouldn't believe it. We'll just put Kate Mara without a bra instead. Perfect. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I have, uh... I have two favorite lines. My, my first one is uh, right before Kate Mora does surgery. Oh, yeah. He says, I'm going to do all these whippets and pass out. Yeah. Good luck, okay? Yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's a good <laughs> one. like, perfect. Yeah. I was wondering why. Because he, like, told her to buy all that stuff, and it's like whipped cream. Yeah. Like, what the hell? Uh, and the other one is, I don't think you understand. These boys killed my dog. Yeah, it's a really good line. Anytime you kill someone's dog, John Wick, go watch John Wick if you haven't. We, as a culture, are very attached to animals. We are. If you kill them, we get very angry. So We kill you. We kill you. <laughs> uh, let's move on, guys. We're going to do one last little bit here. Uh, we all loved Danny Glover in this film. Um, he, It's just a, it's a departure for Glover because he doesn't usually play a villain. He usually does. Yeah, and he's like he, he's the conniving villain. And so uh-huh. we were starting to think about uh, awesome against type actors who are sort of like leading men and usually good guys that have a turn as a villain that's really memorable yeah. so we decided we would make sort of a consensus list here of some of the ones the most memorable ones that come to mind the first one that comes to mind fittingly Antoine Fuqua directed Denzel Washington in Training Day absolutely this was like right after Remember the Titans yeah. you know Oscar winning role for Denzel you know it's I mean that's that's like one of the most famous things he ever did and it's probably because it's against type and he's great as a villain yeah and and I'm gonna just piggyback on that and go right in the next one Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs now I went and did a little research and there was other films where I think he was like maybe an antagonist but as far as to go as like a serial killer psychopathic cannibalistic villain yeah that no matter what Anthony Hopkins does, what Sir Anthony Hopkins does in his career, he'll never be remembered for anything more than Charles Morris and the Edge. Than Charles Morris and the Edge. <laughs> than Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, absolutely. And he was on, what, screen for like 10, 17 minutes, 12 18 minutes. 18 minutes. 18, yeah, and he won an Academy Award, so I think that speaks for itself. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving on to other ones that we've done on this show before. Uh, we're going to jump in and throw Jeff Daniels from Looper. Yes. He's fucking great in Looper. He's such a good villain because yeah. Willis isn't really a villain. No. Like, he is and he isn't, but Daniels is like the true bad guy. Yeah. And he's great. He's fantastic. He has the hammer. He's like kind of intimidating, but kind of not. And yeah, he's the kind of a fuck. But you're like, I could see maybe you were a nice guy at one time. Yeah, like I'm kind of on board with you, man. Um, Speaking of guys like that, yeah, Albert Brooks in Drive. In Drive, he, it's one of my favorites on this list. He's a great villain in Drive. He's incredible, and he's like such a nice guy. Yeah, normally, you know, but he's, he's so evil. He's the dad, and he's Nemo's dad. Yeah. You know, like yeah, but he's so evil. That wrist slit will I will never forget that. Yeah, yeah. And then he goes and puts the razor away. He's all cleaning it. Oh, God. Evil. Evil. Uh, all right, so we got Glover. We, we're going to throw in uh, a couple honorable mention options here. We have Philip Seymour Hoffman and Mission Impossible yes. 3. Owen Davian. Owen Davian. A, a highly underrated villain. Very underrated. I feel like people don't give credit where credit's due to Davian. I'm going to kill her in front of you. Oh, he's great. Just, he's... Go, just go watch Count to 10. Just go watch Count to 10. Count to 10. It's one of the greatest scenes in Cruz's whole career. And then you go watch our MI3 episode because we lose our shit. Yeah, we lose our <laughs> shit. It was a long time ago, that episode. Yeah. Um, and then last but not least, we're going to throw in an honorable mention to Liam Neeson. Yes. In as Batman, Raz al Ghul. In Batman Begins, yeah. he hadn't. I don't think he had played a villain at that point. Yeah, not really. And even though Raz al Ghul isn't like an evil villainous guy, he's kind of honorable to his cause, it totally changed Liam Neeson's career. And it, 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 it uh, started... Taken the whole Taken just franchise. A couple years later, was Taken, and it just made you re- like know that Liam Neeson was a badass. He yeah. wasn't just like this sweet, nice, great actor. He was a badass. Yeah, completely. It was a. Uh, it was only a few years before this that I think he lost his wife in the skiing accident. I yeah, want to say it was that like was so crazy. I think that's like oh, 
four, maybe? Something? My mom is a huge Liam Neeson fan. Yeah. And I remember when that happened, she was like, she was so, she was so sad for him. Completely, yeah. And I remember that happening, and he had, he had some films come out, like, shortly thereafter, but it's really been a pretty drastic turn in his career to do things like this. Three yeah. Taken movies. Love Actually, it's crazy when he gives the speech about his wife dying. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, really sad. Um, all right, guys, moving on. We are going to talk about which category this film fits into. There are three action movie categories. There totally are. ridiculous, totally legitimate, ridiculously legitimate. Movies that are totally legitimate are like The Fugitive and like, uh, what did we just do last week? Uh, I mean, well, I don't know. Braveheart. Braveheart, but yeah, Terminator 2, Gladiator, Fugitive, yeah. Yeah, these are movies that we really consider to be grounded in drama. They don't really fall apart. You don't find yourself laughing unintentionally. They're awesome. Uh, then you have movies that are totally ridiculous. These are movies that fall off a cliff of absurdity. Movies like Con Air, movies like <laughs> Face Off. Yeah. Um, they're just really, really, really silly and hard to take seriously. Demolition Man's my favorite one to throw on that list. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have movies that are rid- ridiculously legitimate, the kind of middle category, intense, driven by like strong plot, mm-hmm. strong acting, maybe a really good villain, but you know, you laugh unintentionally here and there. Movies like The Rock, Predator, yeah. Point Break, um, Speed. For my money, this movie's totally ridiculous. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it really wants to be in the middle category. But I just can't take it seriously enough ever yeah. to put it there. There's just too many moments. All the moments we talked about. I, I've mentioned it three times on the show, but the Kate Mara moment when she opens the door is one of those ones where you're like, this, this movie's not, absurd. Yeah. Like, I, you just made me not take the only female character the, in, in the entire movie other than, like, the super hot chick in the pantsuit who's, like, also, like... Oh, yeah, Rona Mitra. Yeah, exactly. two really, really attractive women in this movie. She serves and, no purpose. Yeah, both of them. It's like, that alone is absurd. And then, like, so much action, so much patriotism, bad acting, bad villains, poor script, poor editing, just so much violence and slow-mo of Mark Wahlberg with a rifle. This movie should have been made 30 years ago, yeah, and it would have been brilliant. Yeah, this It's movie, still awesome. Yeah, totally. But it's not, yeah. Totally ridiculous. Brilliant. Totally ridiculous. I agree. Which leaves us to one other thing, Ben. What is that? It's called The Pitch. <laughs> is it Marissa or Steven up there? It's Steve. What's up? Hey, man. What's going on? Just saying hi. Stephen Lemieux, executive producer of the Popcorn Talk Network, everybody. Yeah. Wait, Stephen, did you catch earlier in the show when we mentioned that uh, we crossed 8 million views on the show this week? I was not. That's great. Yeah, it's pretty wild, right? Crazy. Pretty wild. It's been a long journey. Yeah, right? So, uh, uh, and then, did you have, have you seen Shooter? I have not. Oh, you should see a good yeah, You one. should definitely go watch it. Watch it on cable someday if you're doing something else and it comes on TV. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, uh, so, guys, we are going to be taking next week off as it is Thanksgiving. We're going to be out Happy of town holidays. seeing our families and doing fun things, uh, eating turkey, and uh, we won't be doing a show. So it'll be the first time we've taken a break since Christmas, I think. Of last year. So this year will be the, the only that we'll be taking two weeks off. Yeah, Look yeah, we'll us. take like this, and I think we'll probably in December take a week off, I'm yeah. assuming. Um, so next week we're going to be doing a fucking classic, though. Yes, uh, yes, exactly. The whole point of this is like, this is such a great classic movie. Go watch this with your friends and family yeah. on Thanksgiving Day. We're going to be doing True Lies! Yes! The greatest. One of the greatest. Such a good movie. I think Love this is the, the Arnold movie that I'd seen the most in my life up until like age 15. Yeah. it's For me, it's Predator and T2, mm-hmm. and then I think... True Lies. That's ah, hard. Some of that '90s stuff. Kindergarten Cop, Batman and Robin. Oh man, I love Kindergarten. <laughs> kindergarten so, Cop's great though. Uh, that's what we're. That's what we're gonna do, guys. True Lies. It's a classic. We've wanted to do it forever. Yep. So watch it with your friends. Come up with your AMA question of the week. Uh, tweet us your thoughts. You have a, you'll have a, a down week next week, which never happens. F- follow us on Twitter and tweet at us your thoughts about this episode, next episode. If there's a game or something like that you want to see us play next week, please let us know. You can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter and Instagram. And you guys can find me at Andrew Guy on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find the podcast at AMA Podcast on Twitter. Share your thoughts. Thank you to Stephen Lemieux. Thank you to Marissa Serafini. And sorry for offending you. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.